Rockstar Energy Punch, bringing a bold and unapologetic flavor packed with energy through a blend of B vitamins, guarana extract, and 240 milligrams of caffeine to fuel what's next. Rockstar Energy Drink. And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, I am pleased to have back on the show Myra Khan Adams as my guest. She was on the show last month and we talked about Bible study for those who don't read the Bible, and you can get that over at Amazon.com. We went into depth about that tremendous feat that she has accomplished, and it lives on, actually, as a weekly Bible study at townhall.com. She's a media producer, a conservative political religious writer, and a contributor to many places. I'm not going to list them all, but Real Clear Politics, Town Hall, The Hill, National Review, just to name a few. And she also hosts a quick, compelling Bible study right over at townhall.com each weekend, as I mentioned. And Myra, welcome back to the show. I've been really looking forward to this next chat. It's going to be exciting. Well, thank you for having me, especially on this week. It's a very important week. We are in Holy Week, and on that, I knew somebody else that could bring a very dynamic voice to the discussion is my friend William Sylvanius. He's an author, a change architect, and you can go learn more about him at williamsylvanius.com and his 5% project there. William, welcome back, my friend. Oh, thank you. Glad to be invited into this conversation. Well, real quick, William, as we head into the discussion, any prior knowledge on the Shroud of Turin? Well, uh, I've been a person who's followed information on it for quite a few decades now. Uh, read a lot of articles, two or three, I believe, by this point in time, uh, televised productions about it. Uh, I love its mystery. I love its uh, believed connection. And I love its call to us to be serious about Christ. I agree 100%. And we're going to be talking about Myra's ministry that's directly involved with this as we're headed into Easter weekend. And there's no better time to talk about it than right now. Good Friday, obviously the day where Jesus was nailed to the cross, died for each and every one of us, all the weight of our sins on his shoulders. And he cried, it is finished. And a we were made clean in the presence of God if we accept that offer to join him in eternity. And now in relation, there's the Shroud of Turin, and it's called the Holy Shroud often as well. And what is it? Well, in brief, it's a linen cloth that was believed to be the burial garment in which Jesus was wrapped after the crucifixion. And we can get a lot more in-depth about it. There's lots of mystery and also some pretty startling physical images captured on the shroud itself. But I'm not going to talk about it. That's why we have Myra. And Myra, before we get to your organization, let's dive in on the mystery and just the stunning physical images that are on the shroud and what people can see if they really take a deep dive into the Shroud of Turin. Yes. The first thing, what you, what you just said regarding... It is believed to be the burial shroud of Jesus. The first, the, the first impulse, the first reaction is usually, oh, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> you know, so you start from that, and then you say, well, you have to understand the mysteries. And, of course, the, the biggest mystery that stares us in the face when you look at the Shroud of Turin is there is a man 
whose image is on this cloth. It's a mirror image of a front, the front and back of a man. And when you look at the shroud carefully, you see he has marks all over his body that are from what is believed to be Roman flagrum, which was the whip, the kind of whip that they used. And he literally has these marks all over him. And so at this point, I will bring up a horrific scene that was in a very famous movie that Mel Mel Gibson did many years ago called The Passion. And if you recall, there were these horrible scenes where Jesus was just, you know, whipped and tortured. and, And unfortunately, Mel Gibson supposedly took that scene based on the Shroud of Turin. Did he really? I did not know that. I'm a huge fan of the movie and some of the ways it captures what actually happened back then. Obviously, it's a film, but I did not know that aspect of it, Myra. Yes, I read that many years ago. So um, the other thing that is also interesting before I, I get to the mysteries is there is a church in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. It's called St. Peter's. And they have a life-side crucifix that shows Jesus hanging on the cross. And unlike most churches, he's got, you know, blood all over and whip marks and, and, you know, he really looks pretty beat up. And in fact, he, the model that was used for that sculpture was the Stratotorium. And so most of the time in churches, you see Jesus with, you know, the crucifixion marks, but for the most part, you know, not a lot of, you know, horrific, you know, marks and blood stains all over him. But this particular, this particular sculpture does have that. And so that really brings it home. So really, that's the main mystery. How did this image with such detail, its anatomically accurate detail of a male body, how did it get on that linen cloth? That's number one mystery. And and do you have any particular theories studying this over the years or have there been that you think really it adds up at the end of the day? Because if you go to signfromgod.org and you take a look for yourself, as I have many times, I mean, it is startling what you see. I mean, it is really very detailed. Well, thank you. We worked very hard on that site. Um, one thing that uh, we do know is in 1978, it was really the first and only complete scientific study of the Shroud with 33 American scientists. It's called STIRP, the Shroud of Turin Research Project. And their conclusion was that the image on the Shroud was not the product of an artist. And it was not done with any dyes or paints or stains or or anything that would literally normally seep into the cloth. In fact, the image, another mystery, the image of the shroud, the image of the man of the shroud sits on top of the cloth. It literally penetrates the first two microfibers, which you can't even make a a mark that small. That's... (laughs) That's how small it is, how it rests on the linen cloth. And it does not seep into the cloth. The only part of the image that seeps into the cloth is really not part of the image. It was the blood that appeared on the cloth first. And that's a mantra of Shroud scientists. Blood first, image second. Because think about it. What happened on Friday? Well, he was wrapped in the shroud. He was was pretty bloody. So the blood got on the shroud. And then what happened on Sunday? Well, we know what happened on Sunday. He rose. That image was made. 
he rose. And as he was rising, we believe, back to a question just asked, uh, one of the theories is that there was radiation. Um, some scientists believe it was particle radiation that literally came up from within him and caused this, this unbelievable burst of light. And that is what uh, propelled him into, you know, resurrection and also left what really is a scorch. And that you could say the shroud image is a scorch that was left on the cloth. I think that adds up. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that yes. does make some sense. I've wondered about that as uh, one of the possible explanations. Uh, but that uh, scorch, that showing... It's really neat that that could tie into the light of Christ and then into that transformation from a purely human body to a resurrected body. That would be awesome to think about as we look at someday losing this body behind and going into the kind of body he has now. That's very true, because you think about Jesus, you think about light. He's the light of the world. So if he was to be resurrected, it would be through light. So it's very compatible. You know, it's also, Meyer, it's been denounced. I find this part fascinating as well, doing research. It's been denounced by bishops. The Catholic Church itself as a whole won't take a stance on either side, whether it's authentic or whether it's not authentic. What do you believe is the reason for this? Because I, th- it would be common sense to me that both the Catholic Church as a whole, perhaps individuals within the Catholic Church, would embrace this. Well, there have been uh, popes, many of the popes have venerated it, and particularly the, the, the most modern popes have. Um, pope John Paul II um, literally said, the shroud requires every person to grasp this profound message humbly to his reason and life. Uh, and there have been many other popes who have actually spoken about the shroud. So officially, the church basically says, you know, we believe it's a holy relic, but we're not going to say one way or the other what it is. Uh, but but popes themselves have actually come out and, and said it, uh, that they believe it is the, uh, the burial shroud of Jesus. And in fact, we've had at the Museum of the Bible, some of our events that we've had there, the uh, the Vatican ambassador to the to the United States, his name is Archbishop Christophe Pierre. His official title is the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, and so he believes it's the burial shroud. He's been he's spoken at several of our events. So there are individuals associated with the church that do believe it. But I yeah, I saw that with certain popes. I was just curious as yeah. perhaps why you think as a whole. I guess they would more endorse it as the actual burial garments of Christ. I, I just, it, it, there, there's a lot there there, but I'm sure there's uh, reasons why they don't. I do not understand it. And in fact, what I don't even understand even more is why the modern church has not authorized more testing. Because the last time that comprehensive test was done was in 1978. Then came the botched 1988 carbon dating, which they said uh, dated the cloth from from 1260 to 1390. And anyone who knows the shroud will say, how is that even possible? Uh, that that study was so botched, and it's been it's been debunked for literally decades now. Uh, but it was very political the way they did it. They had some atheists involved with it, and even the piece that they used, they used one piece from the one of the corners of the shroud where people had been holding it for centuries. They used to bring out the shroud for 
you know, baptisms and coronations and weddings. And they, there's all this artwork of literally, you know, important people holding up the shroud by that very corner, <laughs> which they decided, oh, let's test that part. And they tested it and they cut that one piece into three pieces. So they really only tested it from one little spot. And then a, a chemist in the, um, I guess it was in the 80s, late 80s, um, came and said, wait a minute, that piece doesn't even have the same chemical makeup as the rest of the shroud. So they believed it actually was part of a medieval reweave that was from a backing uh, when the shroud was you know, getting kind of frayed from being held up for centuries sure. at different events. So there's all sorts of controversy that goes on to it. But what I can say is that the, the fact that the, the, the the church will not do any modern testing. There still is testing going on. There are a couple little shreds of, of or little threads that some scientists have, and there's other ways to do studies uh, without actually being hands-on with the shroud. So there's studies do go on. And, 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 you know, bless those people that, that keep trying to, you know, get to the truth about the shroud. But the church itself, I mean, if we could only get hands-on, like they did for five days when they did the stirp in 1978, because as we all know, there has been a technological revolution that has taken place between now and, and 1978. I agree. So, and I, William's got a question here in just a second. But I would think that the church would say, hey, there's all this technology. Let's use it to our benefit. Let's either, you know, make sure this is authentic or it's not. And then if it is, that might be the greatest evangelical tool ever, Myra. Yes. But you know what? I think they're afraid. I think they're afraid to say this really, in fact, is Jesus because it, that freaks people out. <laughs> it, it truly does. Because that means you've got to believe in him and you've got to change your behavior and you've got to worship him. And that's, you know, difficult for some people. Which brings up in my mind, Myra, a question uh, that is, sounds like it's right in line with her mission. And that is, how do you use the shroud for evangelism? Well, one of the things that we like to do is to really explain to people what is on the shroud. Because when you look at the marks that are present on the shroud, they totally mirror the Gospels. And every single mark on him has a, has a corresponding verse in you know, one of the four Gospels or sometimes all the Gospels. So in that way, it's a great way to explain what Jesus went through, his suffering, and the whole process of him being, you know, tortured and then put on the, and then put on the uh, the cross and then the side wound. I mean, it's all there on the shroud. So in that way, it can really help explain what he went through, uh, you know, on the day that we commemorate tomorrow. But then you have you go back to the mysteries. And you say, how has this cloth survived? It's not the product of an artist. No man who dies gets wrapped in a cloth and then his image shows up on it in such amazing detail. And all we know is that the actual shroud itself, when you look at it, it is a, a faint rust colored image where the detail is not that easy to see. You could see it, but not as much. But then in 1878, it was photographed for the first time. And that photograph is what is the one we look at today more often. It is really, we call it a photo negative, but it in fact is a positive. And when that 
when that photographer, Secundo Pia, is in his dark room with those glass plates that they used as film at that point, he believed he was seeing the face of Jesus. And that's the face that we call today the holy face. But that photo negative really means that the shroud itself is a negative. And when you when it's developed through film, it is a positive. That's when you get the positive image. Yeah. So that mystery. How did that happen? So and then there's so many mysteries. The 3D. It's a 3D image. They discovered that in the 70s. It's a 2D cloth, but it's a 3D image. There's distance information that they can use to model what this person in the shroud looked like. And you see many sculptures that are modeled after exactly what he looked like in the shroud because they take it from that 3D distance information. I mean, I could go on and on all the mysteries. There are so many. Basically, the more you know about the shroud, the more you realize you don't know and you want to keep learning. It's just you keep getting into it more and more. It's like an onion. You keep peeling it back, and it, there's just more and more and more that you learn, and more and more science is trying to find out also, and sometimes they do find make some discoveries. I can see why you've been so fascinated by it over the years, Myra. Myra Con Adams is my guest. She's host of a quick, compelling Bible study over at townhall.com each weekend. You want to check that out. Also, buy her book, Bible Study for Those Who Don't Read the Bible, over at Amazon. It's a tremendous read. And we are talking today about the Shroud of Turin. It's just really such an appropriate time as we are in Easter week, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, a time to reflect, and the mystery behind the Shroud of Turin. Final question before we get into directly your 501c3, which does so many great things with the Shroud of Turin. What's the significance of it being held at the Royal Chapel of the Cathedral of Turin in northern Italy? I don't know too much about it, Myra. It has been there since uh, 1578, um, a pope, it was a pope, I think it was a bishop, actually. It was a bishop that brought it there, um, and it, it's literally been there ever since. And unfortunately, there have been, uh, in, in, was it 1997, uh, uh, there was a fire, and the shroud almost was burned. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people that, that don't want the shroud to exist. So they have to be really careful, and it's been uh, over the years. It's been in, in you know, it's in a vault, and and they only bring it out um, usually about every ten years. Uh, so it it does stay there. Um, there's actually a long history behind how that uh, bishop ended up bringing it there, but he ended up bringing it there, and it's been there ever since. Now there's only one time it has moved from 1578. It moved in 1939, and then it returned to Turin in the uh, Cathedral of St. John the Baptist, it returned in 1946. It was hidden in another place in southern Italy from 1939 to 1946. Okay, so what happened between those years? Guess anyone? Oh, no. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I was just wait, I was listening to you tell the story. Oh. I was very curious. Oh, like, you know, II. what was <laughs> this disappearance all yeah. about? World War II happened during Oh, the yes. 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 And Hitler had a fascination with the shroud. He did. I did not make that connection. That is an excellent. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And the authorities in Turin uh, were not happy with that. Uh, they thought that he wanted it. Uh, he believed in the occult and, and he wanted to get his hands on it. Uh, the thinking was that he thought uh, it would give him power and he would win the war. Yeah, that's true. So he was quite obsessed with the occult. Yes, he was. Um, anyway, so they ended up moving it secretly 
uh, and this only came out in 2010 that the shroud was had been moved from 1939 to 1946. Uh, it was just totally secretive. You know, it's funny, Myra. Uh, I was anyway, looking for some for a more biblical answer on you know why there was the disappearance. Not even really paying attention to the dates that you mentioned, but it totally makes sense that Hitler would want something with such significance. Yes. That's exactly right. So it, it's more interesting the fact that it was only first discovered in 2010 that it had been moved for those years. Uh, it kept it so quiet <laughs> for, you know, really for a good reason. And what else is really interesting, I mean, it really feeds back into the how does this clot still exist? The place where uh, the Allies decided, uh, well, actually where the authorities in turn decided where they wanted to move the shroud to it was this big fortress. It ended up getting bombed by the Allies. So the fact that they decided, no, we're not going to put it there, we're going to put it somewhere else, they put it, hit it in this little church somewhere in southern Italy, um, but the fact that the place that they really weren't, we're going to put it first, was bombed. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, there's yeah, so many ways. Amazing. Well, how long has this artifact, the Shroud of Turin, fascinated you? And then when did you decide that you needed to start? Now, I want to get directly into the ministry, Sign from God. It's your 501c3 nonprofit mm-hmm. where you're executive director. People can go to signfromgod.org. I believe it was founded back in 2018. If I'm wrong on that, let me know. And what was the it initial was purpose of the organization involving the Shroud when you got started? Uh, it was founded in 2017, actually, uh, by myself and uh, several other Shroud uh, experts and, and people that we all believe that there needs to be education. We started saying it was Shroud evangelization. And then uh, one of my people said, no, don't use evangelization, use education. It's a more friendly term. So, so we call now it Shroud Education. And basically, as I said before, the more you know about the Shroud, the more you want to know about it, the deeper the mysteries. So you think about that, to educate people about what is on the Shroud, what the marks mean, all the mysteries and the history and some of the, the absolute unexplainable uh, properties of this cloth that science cannot explain. So that's really the point of Sign from God is to educate people about this amazing cloth that um, people just believe it is the burial strategies. Others just don't even want to go there because it's they, they can't even deal with it. You know, particularly people that don't have faith or people that do have faith. They say, oh, I don't need it for my faith. And they just kind of, you know, shrug it off and they go, oh, I heard it's fake anyway. I mean, you have that some of that stubbornness. That for me personally, Myra, the more I dig into this, the more it strengthens my faith. Yes, and it does most people. But other people are, um, you know, very, they're very hesitant to say, I don't need anything physical to strengthen my faith. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he's my savior. I don't need a cloth or a statue or I don't need anything. I just believe he is and and don't even put anything to cloud that. Uh, And there's some people, I get this all the time when I write about it, especially on town hall, I get these comments. So many of them, so many people say, I don't need it for my faith. Don't even want to go there. Um, so people are very emotional about the shroud, as you can understand. It makes perfect sense. People are emotional about Jesus. So um, something that you know purports to be physical proof that he you know was was crucified and rose again. Boy, that's going to get people going, don't you think? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
And maybe that's the reason why the church doesn't want to do any more testing. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. One of the things I keep hearing as you give us more details, many things that I hadn't heard before, is in a lot of ways, the shroud would become a verification that the scripture is real and authentic in an age when right now they are trying everything they can to downplay that scripture. Do you see that? Absolutely. In fact, I always call, and I've written about this several times, I always call the shroud the doubting Thomas of our time, because the fact that it does mirror the Gospels. I mean, you literally go and look at the shroud, and you can point to the crown of thorns, and you can point to the spear on the side, and the fact that his legs are not broken, and all It just the, verifies so much. Yes, it literally is a mirror of the Gospel, and that's one of the things that uh, the Museum of the Bible was really you know, bringing out in its exhibit. Which ties back to the question you just asked me. Um, when we first started Sign from God, we really started out to just you know do a website and try to get publicity and do a lot of education. But then uh, the Museum of the Bible opened in December of 2017, and I went to the Museum of the Bible, and there was nothing about the shroud. The shroud did not exist in this huge, beautiful museum just four blocks from the Capitol in Washington, D.C. So So it's really uh, taken on, uh, I mean, the original mission is still there, but it's just so much more expansive than you had originally thought. Yes, because, I mean, what's more educational than an exhibit about the Shroud of Turin at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, not much. I mean, that is just so perfect. So we, um, you know, basically for a couple years uh, tried to uh, convince them they needed to do this. And it was delayed, actually, a year. It was supposed to have opened in February of 2021. Um, but COVID happened, and it opened up in February, February 26th, and it's running through... July 31st. And from what I understand, they have this amazing, amazing replica that literally is done on some, some really um, hand-woven organic linen that they try to get as close to the original linen as possible. And they have a replica that has um, the, the, the image uh, on this replica that is just so fantastic. It really looks just like the shroud. So hopefully that is going to be part of the permanent exhibit. I heard it might be. Not haven't heard. Oh, I really yet. hope it is. It would benefit so many yeah. people, people that are already yeah. having a faith in Christ that can strengthen their faith, people that are looking to have a faith. Maybe they're, maybe they're lost and they need something to inspire them. People can go check out the exhibition. It's now at the Museum of the Bible in D.C. through July 31st. There's a lot of time to go see it. Check out Myra's amazing 501c3, signfromgod.org, signfromgod.org. You can make a donation there. You can find out so much information about the Shroud. Final thing I'd like to say, I'll give William a final thought here as well, is somewhere on the website, I believe there's an exercise, and you put, it basically asks you to pull up the image, to look at the image of, uh, it's a zoom in of the face, and to sit there and to pray, and to pray to God as you're looking at the image, to pray to Jesus. I, I find that fascinating. I haven't done it yet, but I imagine doing so is a powerful experience. Oh, yes, uh, it is, because that holy face is, it's a real man. It's, it's, it's somebody who suffered, and the fact that it, it really solidifies Jesus' humanity. 
we know he was both divine and, and human, but this is the human part. Yes, uh, the the issue of people being so adamant that they don't need a shroud to make their faith firm just put a thought through my mind, and I don't know, something I'll have to develop. But we have become so centered on our faith being because of ourself rather than God that I wonder if it threatens some people that they haven't done well enough if they say that something can add to the value of their faith. Uh, just a thought, uh, since that's something you run into all the time. That is, that is a very interesting thought. Um, I can't speak to those people who are so adamant about you know, just totally casting aside the shroud, but you know, those people, <laughs> they have to answer to the Lord and answer to their own self. Uh, one thing I'd like to say, though, about, about the Holy Face is keep in mind that was not discovered until 1898. So I mean, that's so a mystery. The fact that this positive image was hidden inside this cloth for centuries, yeah, obviously since uh, since uh, you know Easter Sunday in you know, the year in what was it 33 A.D. It was hidden. We it wasn't until photography was developed that that holy face was absolutely uh, you know no wonder Secundo Pio looked at it. And he was a photographer and thought he was seeing the face of Jesus. So when you look at the shroud with the, with your naked eye, you see the face. But it's not that same face that you see in the positive image, what we call the holy face, that you can just stare at for hours and just... Oh, and like I said, and you can even, and I'm going to try and do that, Myra, I'm going to try and, you know, stare at it, reflect, and then go into prayer. It's a powerful experience I'm looking forward to. It's a challenge people can find at signfromgod.org, signfromgod.org, people can donate. I encourage them to donate to your tremendous 501c3 nonprofit. And the exhibit is open. The Shroud of Turin is at the replica, of course, the Museum of the Bible in D.C. through July 31st. I encourage people to check it out. People can find out also more about you at townhall.com. Just look up Myra Con Adams and find your Bible study there as well. Unfortunately, Myra, we're out of time. This has been a tremendous discussion, and I've learned so much, and thank you for taking the time and sharing with our listening audience so much more about the Shroud of Torn and what Sign From God does. Thank you for having me. William, thanks for joining the show, my friend. Dynamic as always. Thank you, and I appreciate the chance to be in this conversation. It was great. Noah here and across the county, go to signfromgod.org, signfromgod.org, and happy Easter to each and every one of you. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.